Welcome to Humanly, the podcast providing allied health and integrative medicine practitioners with the most up-to-date, evidence-based and clinically relevant information. This podcast is a melting pot of ideas on health and well-being and does not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hi, welcome to Humanly. My name is Daniel Reuters and today I'm joined with Ross Walter. Ross is a naturopath and nutritionist and he's got a special interest in treating chronic diseases and helping patients in the management of things like cancer and uh, mental health issues. Ross has kindly joined me today on the podcast and I really appreciate you coming on, Ross. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for the invitation. Ross, we've been chatting for some time over the last several months and we've gotten to know each other to some extent and I've noticed that you've got a real passion for natural medicine and you've got a very um, interesting perspective, very similar to mine about the human body and health and how we can achieve good health. But another thing that you've also been pretty outspoken about is the methods of assessment for your patients and you know, talking to, um, to other clinicians about how to investigate uh, their clients' health better. So I know you've been doing some workshops on pathology testing and teaching practitioners about identifying the root cause of their patients' health issues. Um, so yeah, did you want to elaborate a little bit more on why you've sort of chosen to focus so heavily on identifying and treating the cause we know it's an important really important aspect of natural medicine but yeah many practitioners i've found sort of forget the importance of that yeah it's uh i think it's a great area to to focus on um, in your clinical practice but it it's something that i've found that we we just don't get taught uh, in college or university as we're studying to become a nutritionist or naturopath or herbalist or um, or rather a similar health practitioner, I, I, I don't recall it actually being taught. Um, <clears throat> but it's it's something that uh, as, a, as a second generation naturopath and, and herbalist myself, um, uh, I don't know where I originally got the, you know, the, the thoughts from. Or maybe it was just some sort of inner knowing. I'm not, I don't really recall. But um, I have focused in my clinical practice mainly around trying to identify all of the root causes in in someone's uh, particular health situation and uh, and and i just believe that it's it's essential to find those root causes and then treat the root causes for that long-term resolution of their their health issues and and i know that's not the the medical approach, which is typically about uh, trying to diagnose a, a particular condition uh, based on the symptoms and then treating the symptom typically with medications that just hide the symptom. Um, and they don't take that extra step. Uh, the doctors don't take that extra step to actually identify what the root causes are. And, and, and so it's basically just hiding the symptoms in people and then as soon as the you know, the medications are stopped, everything comes back again. And I don't think that's the way, you know, we or anybody really should practice medicine or, or 
practice health um, to actually improve the you know the health of people. So I'd rather you know, find those root causes and then treat them uh, for that long term resolution. <clears throat> I believe also that you know, treating the symptoms is extremely important as well in what we do and what I do. Uh, and I think we can do that much better than the medications. We can do that with some you know, nutritional supplements, foods, lifestyle improvements, uh, herbal medicines, etc., um, yeah, which which give probably uh, better results more and more quickly, but also without the side effects that the medications typically do. <clears throat> but we should only be treating the symptoms, I believe, uh, uh, in conjunction with uh, identifying the person's root causes and and treating them as well. Yeah, I share your sentiments there, Ross, because what I've noticed uh, in my experience is that our profession is becoming more and more focused towards becoming like a green pharmacist, so to speak. So rather than using our skills and our training to investigate what's really going on for our client we're sort of in this mid middle ground now where we're trying to almost be like um i don't want to say pseudo doctors because <laughs> that's probably going to get us into trouble um yeah we're, we're in this sort of middle ground now where people are almost practicing green pharmacy. So it's got less about investigating, identifying and treating the cause and more around what supplement can I provide someone to reduce their symptoms short term. And it goes against everything that we've been trained to do as naturopaths and one of those fundamental underlying principles of naturopathy, which I'm very outspoken about, is tole causam, which is treat the cause. Mm. Are you sort of, of of a similar opinion there that we're heading more towards that green pharmacy sort of model, and does that concern you? Uh, I think yes, I think you're right, uh, but I don't think it's uh, applies to to all of our our colleagues. I think you know, some or well, many um, definitely do um, you know, treat the causes as well, um, but it does seem to be uh, not the norm. Uh, put it that way, but I, and and I don't mean disrespect to any of the naturopaths or nutritionists or herbalists, etc., that may be listening or that are, that are out there. But uh, a lot of it comes down to what they what they get taught at college, and if the you know, the lecturers or the college are you know, more uh, aligned that way in, um, in in treating the symptoms or, or the conditions rather than the, the root causes, then then that's what um, many of the new practitioners will be will be working to and uh, and practicing that way, not really knowing or maybe understanding that there is actually, I think, a better way, which is you know, to combine you know, treating the, the key symptoms, but also finding their root cause and uh, and, and treating those too for that long term resolution. You know, we don't need to. We're not like doctors. We don't need to have the same people come and see us all the time. Um, yeah, and, and that's a an interesting marketing model that they use, and um, a business model. But um, I'd rather I'd rather fix people. Um, if we fix people, um, 
which can still take some time, um, they're, they're going to be you know a lot more happy to refer other people to us. So there's, I guess that that old uh, belief, I guess that uh, you you, know, you uh, make someone happy, they're going to tell 20, 20 people to come and see you. Whereas if you're um, basically treating one person continuously, you're only seeing one. Um, I just think it's a, a much better business model uh, to work towards and uh, especially when uh, a lot of the clients that I see uh, have, have gone down that, that road of the, the medical approach. They've seen countless doctors and, uh, and specialists and integrative doctors even over a long period of time and they don't get any answers to you know, what, is going wrong with them, and and people often want to know, you know, what's what's causing this, and and why am I having all these health issues, and if we're just going to follow the, uh, you know, the, the doctor's model, perhaps, uh, albeit with uh, generally safer and uh, treatments that are not going to uh, cause anything in the in the way the side effects uh, that medications cause, then yeah, we're not going to be any different. Um, I, I, I believe that uh, people want to actually uh, be cleared of their, their their health conditions. They don't want to take um, supplements and, and things for long term in the same way they don't want to take medications. Um, I just think that you know, we, we perhaps should be doing things, um, dare I say it, differently, but certainly better uh, than the medical system is offering, which isn't, isn't a lot. Yeah, I'm always reminded when I speak about this issue or this topic, I'm reminded of the old adage from the the Chinese medicine profession, which was that the doctor would only be paid when the family was healthy. And as soon as someone from the family that the doctor was treating became sick, the doctor stopped getting paid. So he was very driven then to do everything that he could to get his clients healthy. But when we're operating from this sickness model and you're getting paid when the clients are sick, well, it makes sense that you want to keep your clients as, <laughs> as not as sick as possible. Um, it, it makes sense then that you don't want your clients to be at optimal health, otherwise you're going to not have any clients. <laughs> but if we flipped it on its head, that would change everything. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think are the main drivers or the main causes of disease? Because it seems in this modern day now that being healthy is unusual or, or rare. Yeah, it is. Uh, look, if, uh, one thing that's uh, I've certainly noticed is there are some uh, key drivers uh, and, and key root causes of, uh, of people's health issues and, and or disease and symptoms. But everyone's different. And, and this is a major difference between what we do as natural therapists in, in that we do treat the individual and we don't treat the symptom as a, as a general rule and we don't treat the, the condition as a general rule or thinking that everybody's the same, but that's the medical model. Um, so everyone's different. And even 
even though I tend to see a lot of the same uh, conditions or diagnoses in, in clients, it certainly doesn't get boring because the, the processes that I use to, to, to help try and f- identify those root causes um, typically finds very different root causes in, in, in people even with the same diagnosis. So therefore, you know, they're, if their root causes are different, um, so let's say it's uh, you know, diabetes, for example, so one person's cause of their diabetes will be completely different to the next. So therefore, they need a very different treatment plan and recommendation as well. Um, so, there, But there are some, some very typical um, root causes. Um, yeah, num- number one, really, and the, probably the most common would, would well, two of the main ones, but number one would be stress. Uh, we, we are living in a, a, a much more stressful time, um, I believe, than, than previous generations. Um, we've got a lot more um, exposure to the world in, in different ways and, and we're not always just looking, you know, concentrating on our, on our own life and, and that of our family. We're, we're really exposed to uh, the global situations and, and that has, a, I think, a bigger effect on, on people. So really, you know, stress affects a lot of people physically but also mentally and emotionally as well and, and our bodies are uh, respond in very different ways to, to, uh, to stress um, and, and a lot of them are not very good. So there's a lot of negative effects of stress on the body and um, uh, that we, we just don't um, address very well or the medical system doesn't address very well. Uh, another main uh, root cause or driver of disease is uh, nutrient deficiencies. Um, that can again can actually be caused by stress or a, a diet that's just uh, lacking in uh, variety or uh, poor food from poor food choices or excessive amounts of processed and other types of foods, uh, and that can actually be contributed. Um, by stress as well if the body's in a, a flight or fight um, uh, sympathetic nervous system mode then the, the uh, body functions and um, metabolic processes that are, that are not seen as priorities for long-term survival such as digestion and, and, and absorption of nutrients and, and immune system function and many other parts of our body uh, that just don't work as well as when you are in a, a relaxed state, which um, yeah, so stress can, can contribute to a lot of those nutrient deficiencies and poor digestive system function and, um, as well. So they're probably the two main uh, root causes or main drivers of, of disease, um, but there's, there's countless others, but... Uh, uh, they all vary uh, from one person to the next. Uh, you know, it can be anything else from uh, um, environmental, other environmental factors and toxins and chemicals in our environment, our foods and um, other sources uh, to infections, can be radiation, mould, um, all sorts of other things that we 
that, that can affect an individual and and that's really I guess where the the skill is I think of being a practitioner and being a, a good investigator or a good detective in um, being able to uh, question the clients and follow down lines of questioning and get an, a, an understanding of their uh, their whole body function and their whole body health and, uh, and and you need a decent amount of time to do that in the um, particularly in the initial consultation so you can help to identify all of those root causes that uh, may be affecting someone and I'd have to agree with you on those two that you brought up so stress and nutrient deficiencies uh, and there are a few others which you've mentioned as well so toxicity uh, is a big one uh, impaired detoxification processes so channels of elimination um, and what I've found over probably the last 12 months is I've had a big paradigm shift in my way of thinking and I used to see health as this really complicated thing that it's very hard to achieve and only the smartest people have the answer or know the exact correct thing to prescribe and i think at the end of the day if we strip everything back to the bare bones you're exactly right stress nutrient deficiencies toxicity not getting out in the sun and uh, connecting to the earth so grounding ourselves and exercise are all extremely important also getting access to clean good quality drinking water and helping us or implementing strategies to help us uh, breathe properly again, you know, because the breath is one thing that we're in control of uh, for most of our um, daily uh, experiences and the things that we're doing. But many of us, because we are in that fight or flight response, aren't breathing properly and we're sort of shallowly breathing and our tissues don't become oxygenated properly and we become acidic. And I think that plays a, a really big um, part of of illness. So, yeah, when we strip everything back to the bare bones, a lot of clinicians will come along with or come up with. Uh, many clinicians will come across clients with really complex health conditions and not know where to start. Mm-hmm. But if they just start with those really fundamental, basic principles, they can uh, elicit some big changes in their clients. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the, I don't want to say blame, but it's still just the lack of training perhaps that, uh, that that's provided at college in, in, in what you sort of suggested with these complex and chronic types of conditions. We, we get taught at college you know, what the individual conditions may be like diabetes, arthritis and mental health conditions and uh, whatever the uh, the condition may be, we learn the pathophysiology, what happens in the body with with these conditions. We look at you know, how the medical system treats them, how maybe how they're tested for, but uh, and, and how we would treat them with nutrition and lifestyle and and perhaps herbal medicines. Uh, but no one comes in with just diabetes or arthritis or cancer or depression. They they typically come in with a whole shopping list of symptoms and conditions and um, because I do a, a fair bit of mentoring for other 
other practitioners, I certainly noticed this myself when I started practicing, that we, we don't really get taught how to uh, treat these complex cases, which we do see uh, a lot of. We don't. We just don't know where to start, and and that's what I hear from other practitioners as well, because there's no there's no process um, to to dealing with you know, these types of complex cases. They just don't know where to start, and that's why I guess I was really lucky. Um, uh, when I first started, I ended up getting one of my very, very first clients had a huge number of diagnoses and and conditions, and and I just didn't know where to start with her. And so I just took the 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 initial consultation, you know, just asking a lot of questions, getting a lot of answers, taking a huge amount of notes, um, and then yeah, you know, before we know it, we sort of ran out of out of time um, um, but that's how I conduct my my initial anyway it's just an information gathering session um, especially if there's someone's got you know, major chronic health issues uh, there's there's no time to go into uh, trying to come up with a treatment plan in that you know, initial hour and a half consultation but I make that clear in the beginning that's how I, I work it's, it's just an information gathering in the initial and then I uh, do a little bit of uh, homework afterwards and then go through and uh, come up with the, the treatment recommendations and the treatment plan. But I, I developed this process after seeing some very, very complex cases in the in my early days that, were, that weren't easy. Um, and, and I've you know, refined this process over time. So when you get a, a an initial client that comes to you with uh, for example, I think a key re- initial priority was just um, you know, diarrhea, chronic diarrhea for eight months. But then uh, she wanted that fixed, but she also was majorly overweight, um, rheumatoid arthritis, anxiety and depression, sleep problems, multiple myeloma, so a type of bone cancer, um, and a lot of pain from that, a lot of inflammation osteoarthritis and, and brittle bones. She was only in her very late 40s um, with, already with brittle bones. I mean, that was so bad she would just roll over in her sleep and break, break a rib, just ridiculous. Um, possible liver metastases um, or some other cysts on the liver. Kidney function was, uh, was low as well. She probably had type 2 by diabetes but just never been tested. Um, massively overweight. And I'm thinking, I just you know, don't know where to start. So I did develop this process that I, you know, that I use now um, and I, I train other practitioners to use the same, which can I help to identify the, the root causes in someone. Because I could see a lot of relationships or common symptoms between the different conditions or common root causes between the different conditions that she had. So I just started doing a bit of a, uh, drawing a bit of a diagram, sort of like a mind map, but not not quite the same. Um, but it's become a process that, that I've refined over my years of practice and uh, really doesn't take that long um, to do anymore um, to, to help identify the root causes in every single case and then the, you know, the key symptoms that need addressing as well. 
So I think, I think it's really important to have a process to to work through, and not just just trying to remember, um, yeah, what you what you actually do or how to treat a particular condition, because we we just don't get people with one condition coming through the door. So you, you must have a process instead, uh, and that's that's how I work. And. When you're mentioning these clients coming in with chronic health conditions, one thing that I had my eyes open to recently was the fact that all these diseases are interlinked. They are almost all one thing, just manifesting in different areas of the body. So quite often, well, I would say almost every single time, when you start to investigate the root cause and you start to identify what that f- trigger is or the main contributing factor is and you start to address it, all of a sudden, if that person's got cardiovascular disease, diabetes, depression, and you start to address that underlying cause, all of those conditions get better together yeah, exactly. in unison. It's yeah. it's very hard to just go in there, there and say, right, I'm just going to treat or I'm just going to identify the underlying cause for the diabetes and then I'm just going to treat the diabetes. And then once that's done, we'll identify the underlying cause for the cardiovascular disease and then just treat the cardiovascular disease. In my understanding, the body doesn't work that way. Would That's you right. agree? Absolutely agree. Yeah, and the, the process that I that I do, um, which at the moment I'm calling my root cause analysis protocol, um, it is a, a visual diagram. Um, well, the results of it is a visual diagram, uh, but also uh, sort of steps that need to be taken to actually start to treat that client with their root causes and their the key symptoms as well. I, I don't just do this for me. I, I, I do it for me to understand all the relationships between all the different conditions and symptoms and diagnosis that, that a client may have. Um, and it absolutely shows um, the, uh, the, the, I guess, the lowest common denominators or the most common um, root causes and factors that are contributing to everything. So... Uh, yeah, absolutely. When when you start to treat uh, a, a client holistically, which is really what we should be doing, you and, and treating all of their their conditions, uh, it becomes a lot easier because uh, typically someone may have only two, three, four, five root causes, perhaps that like in that that example that I just mentioned. So um, she probably only would have had several uh, root causes, and then. Uh, another couple of of key symptoms that really need a, uh, addressing in there as well. So then, that, that are not by def- my not by my definition root causes, but they are uh, symptoms or uh, organ dysfunctions that affect the whole body. Hence, they they also need to be treated. Or they're, they're you know, key symptoms that um, uh, of concern. Um, but when you're treating the whole body, and I, I actually explain it to my clients, I actually give them the diagram that I that I do, which explains why their health is the way it is, and they love it. They love being able to see um, in a di- diagrammatic form um, an explanation of all the different relationships between all their their symptoms and conditions, and uh, and then 
it also shows you know what I'm actually going to do to help them uh, by treating those those root causes and and some of the you know, the key symptoms as well. Um, it, it becomes so clear to to me as a practitioner, but also to the client, and I think that's really important that they understand um, why you're going to actually recommend or do what you're going to do. Uh, I get you know, really good feedback from. Uh, from clients when they when they see that they because uh, no one no one ever did, um, explained all the different you know, relationships between things uh, their, their symptoms or issues before um, and an, anal- an analogy I guess I uh, uh, I can use or have used with clients when I do this um, is that we're going to start with addressing the uh, the key root causes um, which. Uh, they've got a lot of symptoms or conditions or causative factors like a, you know, a number of trees in a forest. But we're going to start chopping down the biggest trees first, uh, which are the root causes and then some of the key symptoms. But as those trees fall down, they're going to take another couple of other trees down with them. And, and that's what happens when we're treating the, the body as a whole. The uh, All of the symptoms or issues will start to uh, reduce and, and decrease and you know, the, the healing you know, becomes a lot easier uh, for the clients they become a lot more compliant because they you know, you, uh, previously perhaps uh, in the medical system they may be on a dozen different medications like that that example that I mentioned earlier um, that particular lady was on 12 different medications um, one for each of the uh, yeah, the, the main symptoms or issues that she was having, although actually she was on three different medications um, for two or three different conditions, so she was tripling up on you know, medications, different medications for the same thing, and I think that was contributing to a lot of her health issues. But I see a lot of uh, naturopaths and, uh, for example, that are treating people uh, symptomatically, and they'll be on a similar number of uh, of supplements or herbals because they're just treating the symptom. They're not getting to the, the root cause, and um, and that becomes a you know, very expensive um, issue for the clients as well, and and very difficult for them to take so many things. And I don't, I don't like recommending a, a lot of products, um, and I don't think people should be taking too many things um, you know, if you're focusing on the key root causes and the uh, the main um, symptoms to um, improve their quality of life you, they don't need to be on a lot of things so it's a, it's a very different way of, of practicing but I think it's uh, it works better for for us as practitioners it works better for for clients and, and much easier for them too and this is one thing I think practitioners probably forget, Ross, is that you know just from you saying that when you're involving your clients in that process and showing them what the driving factors are and how they're all interrelated and the clients get a lot out of it and they get excited, um, you know, it's probably motivating not only motivating them to want to take an active part in their health, but it's also really important that we involve our patients 
in the healing process because they're the ones that are going to be doing the healing. That's right. And it's so common where we think, right, you know, I'm the health practitioner. You know, this this happens in health and medicine where I'm the health practitioner, I'm the gatekeeper to the information or the treatment, and only I can fix you. Where the complete opposite is true. <laughs> it has very little to do with what we can provide our clients. I think it's more around the fact that we educate them and give them some uh, very broad interventions that they can implement into their life, which will trigger those sort of um, rapid healing responses. Or as you said, you know, you chop down the biggest trees first, and then they can see that you know there is light at the end of the tunnel. And the more effort they put into their health, the more results they're going to get out of it yeah for sure i mean we're just a facilitator we we we, um we perhaps know a little bit more about health than uh, than the clients and but we should be explaining you know to them why their health is the way it is but uh, how to turn that around uh they they're the ones that have to do it um but they i think they really need to know or understand perhaps why and perhaps why those those choices that they've made in the past have actually contributed. We're not trying to blame them, but certainly make them aware. And you know, education is a is a huge part of you know, what we do, and certainly what I do as a as a practitioner and um, informing people, um, educating them to, to to make better choices. But they need to know why they uh, they are making those, or they need to make those better choices. And yeah, we just hold their hand on their on their journey back to uh, to health again. You know, they're the ones that have to you know, decide to take the supplements and decide to do what you tell them to do. Uh, that's that's all our role is. And I'm always surprised when I reflect on where the profession has gone from to where it is now. So if you look back in the 70s, 80s, and probably even the early 90s, not that I was around practicing then, but you know, you read some of the old books from people like Dorothy Hall and the like, and there were no supplements. We weren't dishing out <clears throat> capsule and pill and potion to our clients uh, 10 at a time every single day for months um, because supplements don't treat the cause. Supplements, as you said, they're a, a short-term uh, symptomatic approach, which sometimes is important because if you get a client coming in and you can get some really fast results um, to reduce some of their symptoms, they go, oh, actually, this stuff works, and then they're going to get more invested in uh, their own health. Uh, but this whole notion of we must prescribe something otherwise when we're not going to get our patients better i think is probably a fallacy and by us connecting back to our roots of you know identifying and treating the cause and also as you mentioned the importance of doctor as teacher mm -hmm. when we connect to those things we're going to get far better results for our clients for sure i've been i've been around since since i was a teenager both both of my parents were practitioners, so my mother was a naturopath, so uh, very much into uh, Dorothy Hall. She did have, uh, and I'm very jealous, um, Henry Osiki, and um, um, as, as a lecturer, 
um, um, than in college. So um, uh, yeah, the, the processes were very different then. Um, yeah, herbal remedies uh, were, were very different. They were drop doses, so and even then they gave res- they gave results. So it was uh, yeah, there's certainly not the uh, the therapeutic doses that we're aware of today. Or the same with uh, with the supplements. So they they were very big on the uh, black celloids, which are you know typically fairly small um, doses. But again, they worked. Um, but I, I do, I, I may disagree with something you said there. I do believe that uh, treating um, people with supplements, particularly the, uh, the, the vitamin and mineral supplements, is actually addressing the root cause of the, being one of the main causes of a lot of their health and um, conditions uh, being the nutrient deficiencies. But I, I do agree that that should only be a, necessarily a short-term approach to address those deficiencies because I, I do believe that um, it would be very difficult to eat your way out of some of those deficiencies. Um, so a, a short-term supplement uh, plan uh, to address those particular deficiencies can, uh, can address the root causes. Uh, and, and address some symptoms as well. And I do use uh, herbal medicines more to uh, reduce the symptoms uh, than, uh, uh, than the uh, uh, nutritional supplements are, are being used. Yeah, and no, I agree. Uh, supplements can certainly be used in the short term to get on top of some of those really frank nutrient deficiencies. Um, but yeah, looking at if we really go down to what the cause is, it would be that their diet is inadequate or, well, it, probably the diet was inadequate first, which then led to a problem in the gut, not being able to absorb nutrients and then there's this sort of snowball effect. So when you get to this point where you've got you know, three or four really s- significant deficiencies, it actually, you're right, it may be difficult to um, reverse that through diet. Mm. Um, alone, well, you you could do it through diet alone. It would probably take a little bit yeah. more time. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I agree with what you're saying there for sure. And as a as a nutritionist as well, of being my my initial uh, qualification, and um, uh, you know, obviously I do want people to get uh, all of their their nutrients from food, and <clears throat> that can certainly be a. a part of their their treatment plan and and education to improving their diet but just to uh, get some faster results uh, and addressing the uh, the, all those compounded um, effects of all the different factors that have been involved in their health for you know for years before and sometimes decades before that um, I do find the supplements work extremely well to address those deficiencies uh, while we're also you know trying to get them to improve their diet and lifestyle and and as i said before treating the, their whole body um, holistically which is what we should be doing and i think another thing that we forget as well uh in regards to nutrition is the uh the food matrix so if we have a uh, this is something that i actually got from thinking about how herbal medicine works. So it's that synergistic effect 
of the constituents in a herb, we know that there's like a thousand different chemicals in, say, St. John's wort. And we're asked a question, you know, what is the chemical in the St. John's wort that's having the effect? <laughs> and we'd say, well, it's it's there is not one. They're all of them working together. Is the it's the culmination of those compounds, uh, the culmination of the effect that, that provides the benefit. But then, if we're asked about an orange, and we're, <laughs> we said, well, what is the beneficial compound in an orange? Oh, it's the vitamin C. And we forget that there are sort of 999 other chemicals in there which are going to have a, an effect on the absorption, the metabolism of the vitamin C. And, you know, I would even hazard a guess that the vitamin C may not be the main constituent in an orange that has some of these beneficial effects. And I find it interesting that we sort of we have that. Uh, stance with herbal medicine, but we sort of lose it with nutrition. Do you um, do you find that as well with the people that you're speaking with? Yeah, typically, yes. I think uh, yeah, I agree. And so it's not just about the you know the omega three in fish oil, for example, that that gives the benefit. It's it's not just um, yeah the individual, but you know, nutrient nutrient or compound, but but that's the sum of everything. Um, and then especially with food, uh, you could say the, the energetic aspect of, of the food is, uh, is an important factor as well, um, that, that we can't just uh, take a, a supplement that's uh, somewhat um, made in a factory and that it's not made from um, real or whole you know, energies um, yeah, it's not going to perhaps give the same benefit as uh, as the the whole food will. Ross, I know that you use blood tests as a part of your strategy when you're investigating the underlying cause of conditions for your clients. And I wanted to ask you a question around that because I get asked this question. Um, I get asked this question as well by practitioners. So they'll come to me with a patient's blood test and there'll be 10 or more markers that are abnormal. And they'll say, oh my gosh, I I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. Um, My approach on that is, well, just correct the nutritional deficiencies and start addressing some of the underlying causes first and then wait a few months, let the body get back to some resemblance of homeostasis and then retest and see what's left over and then you can start doing some more targeted um, treatments towards the markers that are still abnormal. Uh, That's sort of my take on that. What's your perspective? It's pretty similar if not close to the same, to be honest. Um, And I, I I do like to have a look at pathology uh, for several different reasons, um, uh, people have usually uh, been to see several doctors. Uh, doctors have run a whole bunch of tests for them uh, because the you know, the person's not well. And uh, but typically, and almost in all cases, you know, the the client would be told by the, the the GP that everything's fine, everything's normal. Well, um, it's not really possible. Uh, when you know, the, the 
that doctors tend to forget this, that people actually go and see them because they're unwell. So if the client's gone to see a GP and then somehow the doctor's looked at all the pathology and goes, oh, everything's fine, everything's normal, well, the doctor either hasn't done their job properly, uh, they've either not run the tests that they should have done to identify the root causes or they've completely misinterpreted um, or maybe both. Um, so uh, people want to find out, uh, patients or clients want to want to know what's wrong with them, but they don't get the uh, you know, the answer from their doctors because then, you know we know that doctors use the reference range, which is just uh, a useless marker or uh, to compare somebody's results to and, and try to and analyse it. So you know, eventually clients will get sick of the run around by doctors not being able to find anything or suggesting it's all in their head. You know, so they do come to us and we need to be able to analyse their pathology results in a in a much more holistic and, and better way. And so, yeah, I have developed a, uh, a very different process of analysing pathology and I'm specifically looking at the nutrient deficiencies that that affect the different tests and test markers. Um, it's, a, I think, a very different way of... Uh, analysing uh, someone's pathology results um, uh, and, and being able to identify the root causes of, of a lot of their health issues by looking at their, their pathology and looking at uh, identifying the nutrient deficiencies that are contributing to it and all, you know, all various organ dysfunction, you know, liver, kidneys, thyroid um, and, and blood, etc. Uh, and looking at you know, the dysfunctions that may be there that are also contributing to their health. So pathology is a um, a huge part of what I do and what I'm looking for in a in a client, and it's all part of the uh, the holistic investigation, um, the very detailed investigation into someone's health. Yes, you can you can ask you know, really good questioning and uh, and get answers you know, from clients that way. Um, but that's not always going to give you the, the whole picture and, and uh, I do like having a look at the pathology as well. So, yes, I, I do use the pathology in a, a very similar, if not the same way as you, um, <clears throat> identifying those deficiencies and and then in incorporating the, uh, the treatment objectives uh, into the, the treatment plan to address those issues that are found. Now, I'll always find something... Uh, that's wrong in someone's pathology. Even when they've, you know, they've, they've tried a dozen or twenty other doctors that have all said everything's fine, um, and and not be able to explain, you know, why those particular markers or um, are actually abnormal when when the test itself or the doctor has said it's that it's fine, and and relate it back to that particular. Um, uh, test result and, and and the organ dysfunction or the deficiency with their their symptoms and and they can see that that, that I know what I'm talking about um, and so it does build up with a, a a lot of um, really good trust and rapport with the clients when they when they can see that you you get it you 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 can actually see uh, why they're uh, having their symptoms or their conditions uh, it's a uh, it's a huge two-way benefit.
in the um, in the client practitioner relationship. What I've found in some situations is a blood test will be done, and say the liver enzymes come back elevated, and it'll be like, aha, it's your liver. It's your liver that's the problem. But I think we need to still take it a step further because it's not the liver. There's something causing the liver to dysfunction. So we've got to take that next step and find out what is it? Is it the fact that there is a nutrient deficiency there or there's a toxin or there's some sort of insult and now the liver is having to uh, modify its function, which is then coming up and, and presenting as abnormalities in the blood test. So yeah, it's very easy for us to just look at those markers and uh, rely so heavily on them um, to tell us exactly what's going on. But yeah, I think I'm with you. We gotta we gotta take that next step, and as you said, look to see what those markers are telling us from either a nutritional perspective or an environmental toxin exposure perspective. And that doesn't really seem to be done um, by many practitioners. So, you know, it's that same old story if you look at things like cholesterol levels. It's like, oh, your cholesterol's high, the cholesterol's a problem. Well, it's <laughs> certainly not the case. It's it's the body trying to respond to maintain homeostasis we blame the poor old cholesterol, and we never we never get to the uh, the bottom of the of the issue. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we we always need to keep questioning. So, uh, as you were saying about the liver, um, there's uh, the liver can certainly, as in abnormal liver enzyme markers, can certainly explain some of the symptoms and issues that a client may have. But uh, the way that I see the liver is there's and in the process that i do with my root cause analysis protocol and the diagram and um and chart that comes out of that it, it shows that the liver is actually not a root cause it's a symptomatic factor or a causative factor for sure but it's not a root cause because there's more things that are causing that liver to behave dysfunctionally and 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 uh, and be affected or not perform as well as it should. So we need to keep asking, so what's the causes of uh, of that particular thing? And, and in that case, yeah, what, so what's actually causing that liver to be dysfunctional? Is it is it the diet or the toxins or medications or the thyroid even? Um, and, and go down those particular lines of investigation and, and look deeper. And then you'll find some causes to the liver dysfunction and then or maybe, they're, maybe they're just, again, um, causative factors or symptomatic factors as well that there's more things that are causing those so you've always got to keep going backwards take another step saying oh, so what's causing that what's causing that and and eventually you do get uh, uh, that complete picture of how uh, the, the, the client's whole body is functioning or maybe not functioning um, you know, with identifying those those true root causes uh, because, yeah, as you say, the liver isn't uh, isn't a root cause. I mean, so many other things can affect it. Same with thyroid, same with stomach, or digestive system function. So, always got to be in, you know, going deeper and deeper and trying to find the uh, yeah, the true root causes. Let me put this one to you, Ross. Um, what's your thought process on? 
humans not really having um, a disease as such. So the body producing a range of signs and symptoms, A, to tell us that there's a problem, and B, in an attempt to maintain homeostasis. So, for example, if someone gets uh, dysbiosis, we're at this point now where we're like, oh, yeah, the dysbiosis is the cause. I don't think the dysbiosis is the cause. Something's caused the body to have to respond to produce the dysbiosis to try and maintain homeostasis. Would, would you agree or do you think I'm off the mark? There? No, no, no. Absolutely agree. Um, yeah, so the, the, the uh, dysbiosis or that imbalance of one's, one's microbiome um, um, certainly causes a lot of you know, issues in the body um, lots of symptoms and, and potentially conditions as well. And, and they're similar to the, you know, the liver um, example that you just mentioned. That, um, But what is actually causing that, uh, that dysbiosis or, or other symptom? So you've always got to take that extra uh, step deeper and further and, and say, okay, so what, what causes dysbiosis? Well, a couple of main things. Um, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of potential so obviously your di- person's dietary intake uh, potentially deficiencies in some some foods perhaps excesses in um, excesses of some types of foods or or drinks as well you know that the toxins and chemicals that, that are there uh, that they're eating is potentially going to disrupt their their microbiome any medications that they're, they're taking whether it's antibiotics or any other medications that can contribute to uh, to dysbiosis as well, but a key one we often to see all the time practitioners forgetting about is the stomach function. So how well is the stomach actually working to digest your food? Uh, is it is your stomach producing enough acid or acidic enough and, and enough enzymes to break your food down? Because if the stomach isn't working well, and then and again, there's more causes behind that. You know, the other deficiencies that can lead to poor stomach function, poor thyroid function, um, uh, low water intake, not enough salt in the diet to make hydrochloric acid, um, low protein intake, so you can't make enough um, the enzymes, low zinc, um, and a whole bunch of other potentials that are affecting the stomach function. So if the stomach isn't digesting your food properly, then the undigested proteins and carbohydrates are going to ferment in the gut, which is going to cause that dysbiosis and call it another name if you want, SIBO or CIFO. Um, it's the same thing. It's just dysbiosis perhaps in, in a different part of the body, but you know, cause has, uh, has very different causes. And, and can be different in, in each person as well. So, yeah, dysbiosis is definitely not a, a root cause. It's a, it's a huge factor. Uh, our microbiome plays a, a huge part in our health, um, and it's something that I like to include in in every treatment plan. I think that everyone has, to some extent, some level of dysbiosis from, from their diet, from stresses, from low stomach acid to um, other deficiencies to... Um, um, other environmental factors as well. 
but yeah, you know, dysbiosis is never a root cause, um, even though it has you know that a significant effect not just on the digestive system but on on really the whole body. So. I've been thinking about this in, I'll give dysbiosis as an example. So when I see or hear clinicians talking about a client and the client's got dysbiosis and they'll say, what's the probiotic that I need to use for this type of dysbiosis or SIBO? What's the fiber that I need when I've got this microbial imbalance? But we're totally missing the mark there because that's not treating the cause. It's not identifying the cause and it's not treating the cause. Mm. And I've been noticing that this is happening more and more and more as time goes by. It never used to be the case. Um, but why do you think we're missing the, on identifying treating the cause these days? I know you mentioned that it might be the education that um, – clinicians are getting that we're not being taught to focus on identifying and treating the cause as much but do you think there's any other reasons that might be contributing to that yeah i think there there are some other uh, some other reasons i guess uh, we, we we do have uh, perhaps a lot more knowledge of uh, studies performed on on uh, different uh, strains of probiotics. Uh, this particular one's good for this particular um, symptom or condition or, or issue, um, which is all well and good uh, to perhaps use more targeted probiotics. But um, but again, treating the dysbiosis is just a symptomatic treatment it's not addressing again the the root cause which i think you you sort of alluded to um uh, and and there's the other different cultural um and historic differences as well we um um, it uh, it can disrupt the the microbiome and and cause different issues so much more likely in more modern times to, uh, to to simply be prescribed medications or antibiotics for all sorts of things, even viral conditions, which is just crazy. But um, uh, that they're going to disrupt the uh, the microbiome, you know, well into the future in in someone's life. Um, but yeah. It's just too perhaps too much of an emphasis um, in in a lot of our practitioner training, even after after college, with uh, regard to the uh, the supplement manufacturers and and their education, uh, by focusing more on on their products um, and again treating the symptoms rather than rather than treating the causes. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, I, don't, uh, I do think probiotics certainly play a role in, um, in, in a lot of treatment plans, but um, uh, it's still, the microbiome is still uh, way down the list of priorities in, in terms of what actually affects or what causes dysbiosis. So your, your diet, your stresses, your um, stomach function that I mentioned earlier and 
and other things. So if you address those, the microbiome will uh, will uh, typically improve or balance itself out, um, even without the intervention of probiotics. But yeah, the probiotics can certainly help in in many treatment plans that we uh, that we can provide as well. Yeah, that's right, and it's like the microbiome is responding to the environment that it's in. So if you're eating a whole bunch of like fatty, refined food, like burgers and chips every night, your microbiome is going to adapt and respond to optimize itself to digest burgers and chips. Exactly. And then we'll come along and go, oh, you've got dysbiosis. Here, let me give you a probiotic. But actually the cause of that would be to eliminate the burgers and chips mm-hmm. and start to eat a diet that's more conducive to a, a better gut microbiome, which then that starts to address some of the cause. But I think we can even still go a step further than there as well. And it's like, why is that person feeling the need to eat those particular foods? Was there some sort of um, you know, psychological trauma that happened to them years prior that has now made them um, practice certain dietary habits so there's all it's almost like what came first the chicken or the egg and we're really trying to knuckle right down on that true cause and once you identify it and you address it um, the problem goes away but we've really forgotten that and, and it's probably because there's not enough focus on those uh, naturopathic principles that I think everyone probably got taught about in college or in, in their training, but they never paid that much attention to it because they didn't think it was that important. Mm, I think we get taught those naturopathic principles very early on in the yeah, in our studies, but um, but that's uh, not often how it is um, uh, put across or uh, practiced when we get to the clinical stages in later in the in the course. Yeah, and I was also going to say that when we were talking about the issues with the liver and the gut, I don't know if this is probably true and correct, but I just had this thought process of any disease that a patient presents with is not the problem. It's the result of what's being put into the body or the thought processes that the person has or the environment that they're living in. And I was listening to a uh, integrative doctor, an American guy the other day, and he was essentially saying there is only one disease. Uh, there are not hundreds or thousands of different diseases. It's just that the contributing factors that that person's exposed to manifest in a different way in an individual. So it doesn't really matter what the person has, what the label is that they're given because if – and this is one thing that I say to the students when I'm um, uh, teaching them is that if you did – say six fundamental things for every single client, it doesn't matter what condition they have, they will get better. And that's you know addressing the diet, reducing stress, drinking better, cleaner water, exercising, getting out in the sun, all those things that I mentioned 
yes. earlier on today. If we did that for every single client, it doesn't matter if it's they're presenting with cardiovascular disease, diabetes, depression, whatever it might be, they're going to get some level of improvement. And then over time, we can then f- focus in on the remaining um, part or pieces of the puzzle and, and eventually get the person back to complete health. Mm. Yes, I, I agree. I, I had some debates with some of my lecturers at even at college when I was still studying that uh, they were pushing the that the, the need that you had to diagnose um, or you had to get a diagnosis in order to treat and I'm going no well, no you don't um, and for a couple of reasons that um, uh, when we are typically treating the whole body um, unlike the medical system that treat the symptom or treat the condition, and, and treat everybody the same in the same protocol, um, because we're we're treating the whole per- the whole body, the whole uh, the whole person. It doesn't matter, um, as you say, what the label is that they have or what their condition is that, that's been named as, um, because we're, we're addressing every aspect of of their health, you know, their, their physical health, their environmental health, their mental spiritual um, um, aspects as well. Uh, we don't need to necessarily put a label on it, but uh, in in also saying that if, if someone does come to us and they've they're being given a label, uh, sure that may help um, us to a degree in um, in coming up with some sort of a treatment plan. But it's but it's not actually necessary. There's there's also a downside to the you know, the, the client being given a label. And I understand that people want to know what it is that they have, um, what particular condition. But the problem is when they're given a label, they tend to own it and, and, and take ownership of that particular label or that particular condition. And I'm always looking for, listening for in them in my consultations where uh, my clients will actually talk about you know, the, the words my, diagno- my diabetes or my arthritis or my dicky knee or whatever that they've that they've got, they're, when they're saying that, their their subconscious is hearing that and going, oh, that's right, yeah, we, we we've got that, and and then they they're continually manifesting that particular condition or symptom by by owning it, and I do pick that out in my consultations, and I did make a note and add it to my treatment plan to help them to avoid saying that uh, and, and taking ownership of what that label actually is. But, uh, yeah, so absolutely agree. We, yeah, we don't need to diagnose. And uh, another example would be um, anything that's just uh, any particular diagnosis that ends in the, the suffix of itis is just inflammation in the body. It just It's just presenting that inflammation in a, in a different part of the body. So arthritis is in the joints. Um, you've got hepatitis in the liver. You've got thyroiditis in the thyroid. It doesn't matter. It's just inflammation that's affecting, um, well, the doctors are suggesting it's affecting that one part of the body. It's not. It's really affecting the body as a whole. So treating and uh, reducing inflammation and the causes of inflammation um, and, and potentially treating the symptom of inflammation can you know, reduce a lot of symptoms of, you know, that someone may be having and, and even 
uh, addressing the, some of the root causes as well. So, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with, with that. And, 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 yes, everybody's treatment plan uh, can certainly be different, but we're still really addressing those, you know, those six or seven sort of uh, key aspects of, uh, of, of their existence and their environmental areas uh, it doesn't matter what their diagnosis actually is yeah it seems like we agree on a lot of points ross and this is why i really enjoy chatting to you because we both have a fairly similar perspective on this and you know, one last thing i'll i'll say um just on this topic is that i think that disease has actually been confused for the healing process so when we are seeing these symptoms in people it's the body's attempt to try and heal the problem and we come along and we try and suppress the symptoms so we drive the disease deeper into the body and then it goes and starts affecting something else um so whilst yeah inflammation as you said is something that we really need to address but i've had this thought in the back of my mind that Maybe we're doing the wrong thing by suppressing inflammation too much. And whether that be with a pharmaceutical drug or even with a herbal or nutritional medicine, if the body's producing inflammation for a reason, say it's there to um, promote tissue healing, we come along and suppress that. Are we then delaying the healing response? Mm, Yes. I think the uh, medications that doctors are using to as anti-inflammatories do, um, far, far more damage uh, that way, especially you know, long-term use of anti-inflammatories and immune suppressants. I mean, one of the biggest um, side effects of that is, is um, leading someone to be more susceptible to any sort of infection um, by lowering their immune defences and, and then the extreme of that you know, will result in cancer. So it's, um, it's an extreme example, but that's what can happen. Yes, exactly. When you when you suppress the um, inflammation, which is that immune response to, to helping the body to actually heal, providing, of course, that inflammation is, is short-term. Um, so that acute inflammation being the healing process, but you know, when someone is constantly exposed to the same triggers uh, uh, of inflammation or uh, or their symptoms, then that inflammatory process or that, that healing process becomes quite dysfunctional um, and resulting in chronic inflammation, which certainly isn't a part of the healing um, process. Um, um, and, and that's when you know, we start seeing a lot more of these um, chronic health conditions. So yes, I think we yeah we should be uh, we should let the body to to heal. That's that's our bodies know what to do. Our bodies know how to heal. Uh, we've just got to give it the right environment and and nutrients to actually do that. And I think that's what we we do a lot better over the uh, the medical model in in helping the body to heal uh, rather than uh, just suppressing the symptoms and. And um, suppressing inflammation that's uh, that contributes to those symptoms. Absolutely, and I, I think that the body has an amazing 
capacity to heal itself. And I'm of the opinion that given the right environment and the right circumstances, the body's capable of healing from just about anything. Um, but we're told that, you know, if you've got X, Y, Z, you're going to have it for the rest of your life and you've got to take this particular um, supplement or drug to to just manage that. And I think the the reason why that happens is because of everything we've spoken about today and that's because the underlying cause is never addressed. So it just keeps perpetuating this disease. Um, Ross, I, I did want to say to you, you just in as we wrap up today, you've mentioned that you do mentoring and you run some uh, courses and things on teaching clinicians about identifying the root cause and also you do some work with pathology. So did you want to speak a little bit to that um, and, yeah, how clinicians can get in contact with you and, and what services you offer? Certainly. Okay, sorry, there's, there's many things I do. I mean, I do... I do like to uh, share my knowledge and share my um, uh, my experiences and uh, and my methods with with other practitioners, so we can we can all learn and and understand and and help more uh, clients as well. I know this wasn't always the case. I know when my my mother was practicing as a naturopath, it was all very secretive and and they tended to keep to themselves. But um, I don't you know think that's uh, the way it should be done in, in this uh, uh, wider uh, world. You know, we should be able to all help each other. So I do have, uh, uh, I think, I've, I know a lot of practitioners will probably see me in some of the, you know, the practitioner groups on, on Facebook. Uh, they can, uh, many of them do message me through that. I do have a, a mentoring group uh, also on Facebook uh, where we uh, meet online using Zoom once a month to to go through different cases or new research or new products and uh, different methods uh, of, of treating. Uh, we'll, use, we'll go through you know, case studies, um, all sorts of different topics. So it'll be it's quite varied from uh, from one session to the next. So if people are interested, uh, you should be able to find the. Uh, the group on Facebook, it's called um, Oz, as in AUS, um, Naturopaths, Nutritionists and Herbal Medicines Mentoring Group, I believe it's called. Um, or if you're not sure, just um, you know, find me and message me on Facebook as well. Uh, I do provide uh, one-on-one practitioner mentoring uh, for uh, you know, typically for new um, newish graduates or you know, new practitioners, but um, even some experienced practitioners as well to, to maybe you know, go through uh, cases um, uh, with a uh, for, with a second opinion and looking at it from a different angle, um, especially looking at trying to find trying to find the you know, the root causes, which uh, you know, they they um, the other practitioner may not be. Uh, familiar with or, or using, so yeah, having a having a uh, a second you know, person to to go through the cases can be extremely beneficial. Uh, so that can be uh, that can be done as well. Just some some one on one mentoring there. Um, I do have uh, 
uh, a lot of other resources and, and information from you know articles to handouts to uh, various tools, clinical tools that I've uh, been using in practice. Uh, some of them uh, I'm getting to being made available to other practitioners to use. Uh, various databases of uh, resources or information that I've been you know, collecting in my years of practice um, and the, you know, the pathology analysis um, methodology and, and, and software, for example, that I've uh, been promoting recently uh, can greatly help uh, as a educational tool to practitioners to understand you know, what uh, to look for in, in pathologies using the, an optimum range rather than the reference range, uh, how to analyse the results in a more holistic way, looking for nutritional deficiencies and particular organ dysfunctions in, in pathology. So it's a very different process or a very different way of analysing uh, the pathology results. And that's been um, extremely popular uh, as, as part of you know, your overall uh, clinical practice. So a lot of uh, a lot of resources. So uh, people can find me in many different ways, or um, or even on my Facebook page at uh, rosswalter.com.au, and uh, find some practitioner resources or um, you know, further information there. That's fantastic, Ross. And yeah, I've seen you uh, in the practitioner forums supporting practitioners and providing your advice and recommendations. And yeah, I really value your opinion uh, with yeah what you do. And you're right. I think there was this sort of scarcity mentality or pauper mentality that's seemed to run pretty rife through um, not just our profession but many other healing modalities and people haven't been willing to share information. They've really just wanted to keep that very close to themselves and keep these secrets. But as you said, no one learns that way and our clients don't benefit. And there's more than enough clients to go around for people. And if we are really truly focused on getting our patients better, um, if we all come together and, and share our knowledge and um, information amongst ourselves, then everyone's going to benefit. So I really appreciate the work that you're doing there. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, the, the practitioner groups on, on Facebook are a, a great resource for uh, exactly that purpose and I did use them a lot even as a, a student. I, I didn't comment much back in those days but I was you know, taking on board a a lot of the uh, the information and the uh, and things that I learnt there, and and now I uh, uh, being able to contribute a lot more uh, to helping other practitioners to um, uh, to improve their clients and and the services that they offer in their clients as well. I am trying to get my uh, my root cause analysis protocol sort of made it as, as a digital uh, platform. So I'm still working on that, um, and which will make the, yeah, the, the the little bit of homework that I have to do after the initial consultation to come up with their um, uh, their root causes and their their key symptoms. 
I'm trying to um, automate that process. So hopefully this year, uh, at some stage, I'll I will be able to provide you know, some more information, some training, and on that. But I uh, am going through the yeah, uh, uh, shall we say the paper process with with other practitioners in my uh, my mentoring, one on one mentoring, and um, uh, with now that I do with uh, other practitioners. So that'll keep your eyes out for that. Um, hopefully, that will be coming at some stage later this year. That's fantastic, Ross. And, yeah, best of luck with that. It sounds like a really interesting venture and please keep me updated with what happens there. Did you did you have any final thoughts or comments that you'd like to leave us with today? Uh, maybe just a couple of things. I just think it's um, perhaps to help uh, practitioners to identify uh, what some of the root causes are um, or at least some steps that you can take to help improve that process. So it really starts with having a really good um, and detailed thorough questioning of the the clients in their initial consultation. Uh, I do allocate uh, a full hour and a half just for that purpose um, I do include a, um, an intake form as well for some to gather some additional information just to save a little bit of time, but uh, but to get uh, more details of you know, clients' health history and medication supplements as well, uh, and having a uh, a really good process after that initial consultation to uh, to come up with uh, the root causes. Um, being able to analyse pathology results in a more holistic way is, is, is really part of that process and, and very important too. Um, and then uh, uh, researching the conditions that you come across, uh, finding and identifying the root causes of uh, each of the different conditions and, and recording those in, in some some of your notes or a document, for example, I use a, a word document for each each individual condition. Um, and each time I come across some new research or another article uh, online that's potentially giving some clues as to root causes uh, for those conditions or uh, um, natural treatments or you know, that we can do for those conditions. Um, rep, you know, record all of those notes and the links and the and all the studies in in that word document just to keep your uh, yeah, keep building on that that database um, electronically, but also to you know, build it uh, your knowledge and understanding of those conditions and and what uh, some of those root causes are. Um, so as I said earlier, it's not about uh, remembering or trying to remember all of the root causes or all of the, you know, the the treatments that we can provide for a condition, but actually having um, a process that you can actually work through that can help identify those things. Um, and so continuing continuing your you know, your practitioner education. Um, and you're learning for different conditions or the, you know, the main area of, of your um, expertise and um, 
at just keeping a track of all of that information. Uh, it, it's too hard to try and remember everything. I certainly don't, but I've got I know where to find that information very very quickly in in my database and uh, in my my records. So keep keep learning, um, uh, keep thinking about um, you know, root causes as well as uh, the you know, the key symptoms. Um, and, and causative factors for you know, each, each particular condition or each client as well. That's fantastic, Ross. I think that really sums everything up really nicely. And I'd just like to say thank you for coming on to the podcast and talking with me. I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm sure that many other practitioners listening to this will also enjoy it as well. So, yeah, if you've taken some notes and you want to find out more about Ross's uh, mentoring program or the things that he's offering his uh, patients in regards to identifying and treating the cause, please feel free to get in contact with him. And your website was rosswalter.com.au. Is that right, Ross? That's correct, yes. Fantastic. Well, yeah, thank you so much for being here, Ross. And you know, I'd love to get you back on the podcast sometime once you've uh, released your uh, digital programs and, and your software. And once you start offering that out to clinicians, please let me know and I'd be happy to um, promote that for you as well. No, much appreciated. And, and I also appreciate the, uh, the invitation to come along and talk to you and, and uh, get, I guess, some of my message and our, our common beliefs uh, out to to more practitioners and, and helping them improve how they uh, they run their practice and helping them to um, uh, help their clients as well so thank you very much thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the show if you have any questions or comments head on over to humanly.com slash podcast and join the discussion. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and become part of our growing community of like-minded health professionals. Until next time.